We have this beautiful image in the gospel of Jesus sending these 72 others out into the various towns and teaching them about how to be a gracious guest and what to expect of gracious hosts. How did you learn those lessons? When I was a kid once, mom and dad were gonna be late and after school, they asked a neighbor to take care of me once. And in order to be polite, my mom sent me over with a plate of cookies as an offering of gratitude. Well, they were so late that the family was beginning to have dinner and the plate of cookies was at the end of the table right where I was joining them, but I was not having dinner because I was waiting for mom and dad later. I started to snack on the cookies and ate over half the plate. The host's family was polite. They didn't say anything, but somehow mom found out about it later and taught me a couple lessons about being a gracious guest and what it means to leave a gift for those who are taking care of you. I had the distinct joy of taking a new plate of cookies over to the house next door and apologizing. Wonderful lessons of life that help us appreciate generosity and what it means to be a peaceful host and what it means to be a peaceful and gracious guest. I envision somewhat this Mass today uh, as a Mass of Thanksgiving. The bishop uh, has called me up to live at the seminary, so I'm actually, after six years of study in Rome, will be departing St. Sebastian's as a place of residence uh, and returning to the seminary up in Wycliffe. And so I've had time to reflect upon uh, the graciousness of this parish as a host for me over these six years. And I can say certainly first and foremost, as the gospel reflected, eat what is set before you. You are very generous in what you set before the priests of this parish to eat. So thank you first and foremost for taking care of us in those material ways. But this is long overdue as well in terms of Thanksgiving because actually it was 33 years ago was my first, uh, the first time I became a parishioner at St. Sebastian's. As an 11-year-old boy, mom and dad had moved the family back to Akron and this was mom's home parish from when she was a child. And so I can be grateful for many life lessons here that I think reflect what Isaiah was talking about in the first reading in terms of his prophecy and the cause for really Christian hope and joy. The Lord's power shall be known to his servants. God does not keep himself hidden, but continually inserts himself in, in and through grace into the lives of people in very real and practical ways. And so into this house of the Lord, the beautiful sign we renovated recently or cleaned up on the outside of the church, into this house of the Lord that is St. Sebastian Parish, so many fond and beautiful memories of the grace and beauty of what has happened here before me, during my time as a parishioner, while I was away and now that I've been back. I remember my classmates from sixth grade, those who welcomed me here as a transfer student. I remember younger students, helping younger students cross the street as part of sixth grade safety patrol. 
honing my creative writing skills with the power of the pen under the care of Miss, uh, Mrs. McCarthy in junior high. I remember learning uh, a more valuable lesson again, coming in second because in poor taste and upset with second place, I had attempted to detract from the winner's accomplishment. And thankfully, a teacher here at our school called my poor attitude out and helped me learn the value of good sportsmanship. I remember Miss Short in sixth grade stopping me cold when I made a slip of the tongue and spoke a bad word. <laughs> or any number of the playground teachers and parents who constantly tried to prevent all of the boys from hurting each other on the playground and checking our rough housing or just keeping us off the snowbanks of the recently plowed playground or the, the brick parking lot. I remember learning good teamwork here in junior high soccer and basketball and the boys volleyball team. And so essentially having great teachers and coaches who cared about the men and women we would become. I remember somehow winning the esteem of the school students enough to become student council president in eighth grade. And I remember learning about the unique foods and, and cultures that are out in our world, in our big wide world, before ever stepping foot in any one of those countries I visited, Ireland and Germany, France, Spain, or Italy. And yes, even faith was developed here. Not just good relations with people, but real practical faith steps were taken here. Even before I was a student, sometimes we came to midnight mass or Easter vigil because this was my grandparents' parish. When we actually moved here, I continued to serve at this very altar as a server from sixth grade to 12th grade. I remember Father McDonough interviewing us for the Sacrament of Confirmation and a very practical question that has remained with me to this day. What do you believe happens? What do you believe happens to the bread and wine at the Mass? It's a good question for an eighth grader, but it's still a good question for us grown-ups too. Do you still believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ? Well, you wouldn't be here if you didn't. None of us would be. And later, he, Father McDonough was joking in the sacristy one day after Mass, you're going to become a priest one day, aren't you? And I replied blushing, no way. I want to go off and fly jets in the Navy and do more fun things like that. Well, you can see who was right on that count. And I remember eighth grade graduation. For some reason, the theme song was Bette Midler's The Wind Beneath My Wings, I believe is a tribute to our parents, who honestly are still lifting us up in many ways. And if not materially, then at least through their prayers, who are who I'm sure are constant for us, those who are still with us in this life and those who have gone to heaven and continue to pray for us among the communion of saints. And like so many of you, our family has witnessed the whole cycle of sacramental life, weddings, baptisms, anniversaries, funerals, and confirmations, and even a couple anointing of the sick. 
So I recite all of those things because it's one life among many that have happened here within this church and in this parish community. But again, it's a good way to remember these things from time to time because we don't look back. How do we assure ourselves that the Lord's power shall be known to his servants? He continues to speak in and through us, in and through each one of us. And so I thank you again through all of these things, all of these beautiful moments that happened to me here, but are so representative of what's happening in the daily life of this parish. And I thank you for where they brought me as a young man and as a priest. And I hold those up to you as again, a way of challenging us not to be afraid of the work that God has set before us. Yes, at times it seems like there is too much to do and too few people to go around to do it. To proclaim, to proclaim God's kingdom in a world that remains highly resistant. Yes, the laborers are few, but they have the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul reminds us, the very power of his cross, blazing the trail before us. Our seminarian Joseph, who's spending the summer with us, reminded me in a conversation this week, a point our spiritual director made in the seminary, that there's a difference between relief and consolation. Relief is very material in nature. It, we are kind of set at ease, we're, we're finding rest in a certain sense. But consolation, spiritual consolation, it's truly a gift from God. And you can find it reflecting in all those little moments of life where God's grace really shines through. And you know that whatever victory or even in those moments of trial and struggle that have somehow been superseded or overcome, not by any merits or strength of our own, but by God's grace shining through. Those are the consolations that come from the Spirit and give life to the martyrs and the saints. We celebrated yesterday Maria Goretti. What a beautiful witness of faith again. Even after she was attacked, she forgives her attacker. And as she's dying, she consoles her mother with a beautiful message of faith. I will go soon, but don't worry for me. I will be praying for you in heaven. What a gift of faith and a beautiful consolation. The Trappist monks, Thomas Merton, had an interesting revelation about people. And he wrote about it in his Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander. And I want to end this homily reflecting upon that because in a certain sense, as I've grown up and gone deeper in faith, uh, I think I'm starting to see what he sees in all of you and in all of the people in our world. And it's a beautiful call not to be alien to one another, but to remember that we share a common origin in and through God, in and through the life that our, our Creator bestowed upon us. So he recounts the story in Louisville, the corner of Fourth and Walnut, the center of their shopping district. He was suddenly overwhelmed by the realization that I loved all these people that they were mine and I was theirs, and that we could not be alien to one another even though we were total strangers. 
It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world, the world of renunciation and supposed holiness. You see, Thomas Merton had gone into the monastery about 13 years earlier and was trying to live a holy and pious life, which he thought meant separating himself from humanity. And yet as he was contemplating the Eucharist and contemplating God's love, it drew him ultimately closer to the very humanity he thought he needed to step away from. And that's the message of grace too. As holy as we strive to be, we are never to separate ourselves from the human race. And I think that's also what God is, Jesus is saying in the gospel today by sending everyone out and giving them the power over the, the demons and serpents. So Merton experienced this sense of liberation from that burden of trying to be separate from what God is trying to keep together, from an illusory difference. And it was a relief and joy to him, so much that he almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy of being man, a member of a race in which God himself became incarnate, as if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me, I now realize what we all are. And if only everybody could realize this, but it cannot simply be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun. Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts, the depths of their hearts, where neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach, the core of their reality, the person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. My friends, we have received a beautiful faith. We stand on the shoulders literally of giants in this faith. Those who have received the very power Christ gave them to share the good news, to share that the kingdom of God is near, is here among us, thriving. And the signs of it are all around us in the life of faith lived out in beautiful and distinct ways, in a parish community, in a city, in a nation, wherever we go throughout the world, those who have received this grace. Understand the mystery that you have received. Receive it into your heart and let it transform your life. Repent of any sinfulness and know that God does not hold those things against you, but is willing to lift you up and to send you out into this big wide world, able to tread upon the serpents and the demons that are out there with the joy and peace that Christ bestows upon us. May you know the God that dwells in your heart. May you know the love that transforms our world.